Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Joining me in this episode of Flyers Daily as uh, we're going to look at the week that was, the week that will be, and some other fine details of the week. And uh, he joins us right now from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Billy, I know it's been a week for you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Appreciate you asking. Yeah, Bill had a little fender bender, but he is, uh, him and his wife are doing okay. And um, uh, we're hoping you guys aren't too or I, I wish that we could go back, Bill, in a week that was a tough one for you to go back and talk about some positivity. Unfortunately, that's not the case when it comes to the hockey team. But where I want to start is actually with their last game, the game Saturday night against Devils, because that game, I mean, was an outlier in so many ways except the result. Bill, the Devils come into that game as the second-highest shooting shots per goal game in the NHL. They come in as the second-lowest least shots per goal on goal per game, and the Flyers outshoot them 33-18. to 18. They average 36 shots a game. They half yes. them. And they they give up twenty five and change a game, and the Flyers best that by eight shots. I thought the structure, the puck support, the support on board battles in all three zones was excellent. But again, the thing that rears its ugly head is that inability to score. That'll derail any team. For sure, you know when you struggle to score the way the Flyers struggle to score, you have virtually no margin for error. You know, the, the Flyers played a, on the whole, a really clean game with the puck. The coverages on the whole were, were really good. Um, you know, the, as you said, a big shot on goal advantage, a big shot attempt advantage. I mean, really, the a lot of teams could look at the tape from that game and use a blueprint for how to play against the Devils. Sure. They, they didn't they didn't let the Devils get into their transition game at all. They, they kept them to the perimeter, a good stick on puck. I mean, all, all the things you, you went into the game, you know, needing to do to compete with that team, the, the Flyers did it. You know, other, other than coming out a little tentative in the third period and giving up those two goals, which, you know, is, is kind of been the way things have gone with the Flyers. Go back to the Islanders game, the first Islanders game, a, week, a weekend yeah. ago. 20 seconds, right? yeah. yeah. You know, the Flyers played a really good second period. They played a really good game, and, Fell apart in, in quick order in the third, and they they righted the ship. But because of their because of their difficulties scoring, it, it was just you know it, it was too much to come back from. Um, of course, in this case, the Flyers had one disallowed, rightfully so. But yep. it, it uh, you know you can look at it a couple of different ways. I, I think the way that John Tortorella is going to look at it, especially given the tone of the season, he's going to look at it as. You know, we're trying to teach things. There's a way we want to play. Flyers played the way they want to play. So, you know, the, the, there are no moral victories. There just, just aren't. But on the, by, by the same token, when you're, when you're working towards a big picture and a long-term goal, that was, a, that was an example of how they have to play to compete. Win or lose, they, they were in the game uh, until the very end. And you, know, you can you contrast that to the Tampa Bay game where they competed for one period and then everything fell apart and they couldn't reel it back in at all the rest of the way, you know, versus the way they were right there in the end to uh, with, with the Devils. And I think the latter game, you come away feeling a lot better about them than the first one. Yeah, question about it. And that Tampa game, they get hemmed in in that second period in the beginning of the pure four-minute shift versus the line in Provo. If they just can't get the puck deep enough, 
to catch change. Um, Bill, after the game, John Arella, there, there wasn't many words. I think the whole press conference was about 53 seconds and obviously didn't like the questions. My read on that was, wasn't that he was mad at his team or he was mad at the media. He was really he knew his team went out there and did everything he's been asking them to do knows about their inability to score and felt felt bad for those guys who went out there and did everything they've asked them to do and came away with a result that nobody wanted. And I know that, you know, I was standing down there when they came off the ice and I will tell you that there were some sticks broken in that way. These guys care. These players, it's not, Hey, we're rebuilding result doesn't matter. There were guys very verbally, physically, very distraught about losing that game. No question. I mean, you, they went out and, as you said, they, they played the way they wanted to play. They they held. I mean, if you take the was the last ten minutes of the second, the first ten last ten minutes of the, of the first period and the first six minutes of the second period, Jersey didn't have a shot, not a single shot on goal in that in, in that stretch. You, you you do that, you're going to win far more often than you lose, even as a team that struggles to score. You you know you'll some something something will go your way. It just seems like the, you know, the hockey gods take care of you more often than not in those kind of nights. Whether yeah. it's a whether it's a puck that goes off of a couple of skates or, or whatever, they just, you know, they, they just really 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 struggled to score, and they had, you know, they had opportunities um, to do so. E- even the you know the, it, it wasn't like the Tampa Bay game. The Tampa Bay game, I thought, and before Tampa scored to make it one nothing. Flyers had, I think, four or five really good chances, and you knew when none of them went in that, um, you know, you're only going to get so many of those. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know, the, the Jersey game really almost to the end, it, it felt like they got a really good chance of coming away with points. So, you know, I, the players do care. And uh, if there weren't, you know, if there weren't pissed off players and, and broken sticks and, you know, guys are – pretty upset at the outcome i'd be disappointed because that uh you know it's easy to talk about rebuilding it's easy to talk about oh well you know whatever i i'm one i'm one who hates talking about uh lottery pick odds and until after the season anyway so i i get it yeah yeah it's not time to do that in early december uh, that there'll be time for that, and we'll have plenty of time for that very quickly. But now is not that time, uh, Bill. Even you know we had this before the team even kind of got into this season with Couturier out and the pieces that they had. They were going to be a team that struggled to score anyway. So there is no easy fix. I mean, over this last thirteen games, they've averaged two goals a game. They've got twenty six goals in that time. Yeah. And they've given up 53 goals, which is about 4.2 goals per game. There's no easy fix. There's no guy that's going to come sauntering through that door that can put up 60 per 82 or 50 per 82. Um, it's going to be have something that they're going to have to do with this entire season. But where I want to go next is is here because there was full availabilities this week on, I think it was Monday and Thursday from John Tortorella, which I thought were incredibly transparent, incredibly you know, just very upfront where everything is, his position in it, what he wants to do moving forward. And, you know, he won't use the word rebuild, but he's talking about putting in footers. <laughs> You're putting in footers. That's a rebuild. Um, he won't go there to say that. He doesn't want to give it the title or whatever. 
but uh, I felt like there's slightly different manage from the general uh, message from the general manager who talked about being five points out of a wild card spot and getting bodies back. How important is it for that message to be consistent between the two? Well, I think there needs to be one one message to show showing that everybody's on the same page here. Um, you know, I, I, I from an optic standpoint, they may be on the same page, and Chuck talked right. about them being on the same page in conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. just just whatever you call these things, you need to call them the same thing. No, for sure, for sure. And and I didn't, uh, you know, I mean, I, I get, I I understand the the five points out of a, a wild card thing spot in terms of, you know, in in terms of saying, hey, listen, you know, you. you Put together a good stretch, etc. You're, you're you're hanging around. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I I we went into the season. I remember we said numerous times that uh, there were no particular expectations on the team, right? And I mean, even, even when they were off winning games that they shouldn't have been winning, we were saying that. Um, you know, yeah, we were doing way- shows about not changing our expectations based on the early results. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Yeah. And, it, you know, the, I mean, truthfully, I think the Flyers' record is what it should be because recently they've lost games that they probably should have come away with points, probably should have come away with wins in some cases. Early on, they were winning games. They had no business winning. So it's kind of, it's kind of, that's kind of evened out. Um, you know, I, I think that. I think that, uh, and John Tortorella made this very clear, that one of the things is deciding who's going to be part of this going forward. Um, you know, one of the things that um, we wanted to see, we were talking, you know, we talked so much about the, the absence of the struggles to score goals. You know, and we were saying, you know, some of these young guys have to be part of the solution offensively, not just not just, not just as part of their two-way games and taking minutes. Um, you know, it gets a little old talking about scoring chances after a while, you know, and yeah. uh, like, you know, like, like Owen Tippett was on fire for a while, you know, Tippett's been quite really quiet lately. Um, you know, like to get see Tippett get going again. I, I think quietly Joel Farabee seems to be getting back on his game, but Farabee's a the guy they need goals for. And he's a guy who's a little bit established in the league. Um, you know, Morgan Frost, he's had a lot of scoring chances, but nothing's going in. And I said, it gets old talking about scoring chances. At a certain point, chances aren't good enough. You need, you, need, you know, you need production. And especially yeah, the result. Especially the yeah. yeah. So, so much of the veteran part of the, the roster, you know, after, after Kevin Hayes and, and uh, Travis Konechny and, you know, and then James Van Reems, like when he comes back, you. You know, you have guys there who, if you get offense out of them, like get, get points out of them, it's a bonus. You know, like uh, Zach McEwen, who's been playing a lot on the upper end of the lineup, you, know, you, you don't go in expecting goals from Zach McEwen. If he, if he scores for you, that, that's a nice bonus, right? Um, I, I like a lot of things that Nick Delorier has brought to the team, but you're, you're not looking for offense from Nick Delorier. And, and, and just so you, you, know, you need the Farabees and you need the Tippets and you need the Frost. You need those guys – if you're if you are gonna score by committee, to be part of that scoring committee on a regular basis, yeah. you know maybe not, maybe not being thirty goal guys or whatever, but but contributing, and not going 12, 14 games without a point, those kind of things. Going forward, that's something I'm looking forward to. And I, I know one thing that Chuck said, and I agree with. Okay, you're evaluating the team after 
25 games, after 40 games, right? Over this next stretch of about 20 games or so, some of these guys have to start becoming more regular contributors. Otherwise, you really are you're building you're building an offense from scratch. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and if they're not, they're telling you all you need to know about them moving forward. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and you know, other parts of, of guys' games are coming along. You can see it. Mm-hmm. But you know, you need offense. And and I didn't I didn't mention Noah Cates because Cates is playing well. You know, Cates is the guy who can do a lot of things that don't involve scoring. Exactly. He he can he can go eight. 10 games and get a point or two and he's still helping your team in, in different yeah. ways. Um, and not, you know, and, and not other guys can't help in various ways. And it's important for them to do that. But those are guys you're looking specifically for offense. From. And, you know, I, you can say for a period of time, well, he's getting the chances and they should, you know, keep, keep getting chances and they'll go in. It becomes mental after a while too. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it just part of that, part of that mentality of going out going out uh not hoping to win but but feeling like you can you know i, I one Big one difference. of the yeah for, for sure and and i thought i saw even some of that last game against the devils where going into that third period flyers played outstanding hockey for 40 minutes then then you know that a winning team is going to have to elevate its game that much further in that third period Win one period, win the game, and there's a there's a reason why winning teams find a way to, to win those games in third periods, and losing teams come away saying, "Well, oh, we could have and should have won." And yeah. the the first five minutes told you a lot in that period, and not just not just two goals that were scored. Suddenly, the Flyers got very tentative in in that third period, almost like they were waiting for the mistake to happen, were afraid of the mistake happening, and sure enough, it happened. When you do that, you're you're willing the mistake to happen. Unfortunately, um, two things. Number one, with Farabee, I, I was watching the other night. I was talking to somebody in the press box, and I kind of said the same thing. I said, "You start elements of his game coming back to where it needs to be," and it wasn't even his play with the puck. To me, it was his his play and movement away from the puck yep. that I noticed yep. first and foremost. Going to areas where. I didn't feel like he seemed comfortable to go to before, but he seems to be going to those areas now, much more in the middle, making himself an option there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and absolutely, hundred percent. And and going is the F one and four checking coming yep. coming up with bucks, and, and he, he's 50, been doing 50 battles. Lot, he's been doing that a lot better recently. And actually, one thing I I did really like from last game, and and, and it's something that you know there were a couple of different lines that I liked. The, the lineup was slotted a little bit better now that you have, now that you have Konechny back, right? And and uh, he had a normal fourth line, Bill. It made we sense. We had a normal fourth, line. yeah, normal fourth line playing on the fourth line. Um, the the third line with, with Lawton, Frost, and Farabee, I really like that game's line. That uh, the way the way they work together, and, and that kind of line makes sense because every guy in line has one particular thing that he does a little better than the other two. And everybody, everybody has somebody contribute to that line. And one thing I, one thing I've noticed when you put, put guys, uh, you know, like 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 a lot, you know, like like Lawton. I mean, Lawton is so quick getting in the forecheck, so aggressive. I noticed all of a sudden Frost had more room to operate. When he has room, he's a different player. Um, yeah. That that line real that line really could have had three goals, and Frost could add a few points. Of course, he took one away with the goalie interference. 
but I, but I, I like that line, and I like that as a support line. You know, I, I you have Hay, the Hayes line on top, and I mean, long long term, is, is Lucas said like a second line player? No, no, he's not. But you know, he's kind of what you have in the interim, and and you at least know, you know, at least you're going to get the two way game out of him, and uh, you know, they they put a, put a little bit of skill around him, and you know, and, and it's a it's a viable line. I think I don't think that's by any means the second line. I don't even know if it's a third line ideally, but at least it's at least it's an NHL line. Um, uh, I I, I kind of think though that uh, well we'll we'll see we'll see because of course uh, yes yesterday was an off day and, and tonight against uh, Colorado uh, there there is a skate in the morning so we'll see uh, you know we'll see we'll see where things go in terms of guys returning. But you know, all of a sudden you get Atkinson back, um, yep. hopefully very soon, and in JVR, then you do have been kind of two thirds of a second line, and it, it looks looks a much more like an NHL roster, more formidable, more competition. You know, the, the way that the the way that the power play has been, particularly, you, you know, there there needs to be there needs to be options, and there needs to be some competition on there for time because yeah, nothing now seems it's next to be line up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you about Hayes on the wing, Bill, because you know this is. I think about the team and different combinations and different imaginations of lines and guys I can connect together and go who third got to fit and all that stuff. But I can tell you one of the things I never thought about was Ken Hayes on the wing, on wrong side or his off wing. Um, but I will tell you that I think it's probably a better place for him especially on a team that needs his offense. And this team needs offense. We've just talked about it at, at such a level that I can't even worry about bogging him down with getting down below the dots in the D zone. I need his offense so badly. But maybe wing is a better position for him, not just in this situation, Bill, but right now at this point in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that um, there have been times when, on the defensive side of the puck, you know, he, he gets himself in some trouble sometimes. And particularly yeah. when, particularly when you find him in really tough matchups, the, the matchups that you would, you'd love to have Katore in, honestly. Exactly. But, um, you know, so, but I, you know, on, on the wing, he uses his size, his ability to protect the puck, uh, his ability to distribute. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, and in terms of the defensive responsibilities of a winger, he he can handle defensive responsibilities on a wing, you know. A, a center just has a center just carries so many burdens on him, um, and you know you're the guy, you're the you're the last one out of the D zone, and you know you have to you have to uh, protect the house when, you know when when there's a scramble in front, you know you're you're almost a third defenseman out there a lot of times, and. Um, you know, so you have to a, a big part. A big part of the structure, as you know, is the game through the middle. And uh, when your center, when your center loses loses a sense of structure and kind of, you know, gets off of that, then is, then a lot of things tend to fall apart around that. And the way that um, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with him defensively on a wing, and you know, on the I mean, so it, it's been a you know, he I, I think Tort is onto something. In, in pushing that button. I know at first when I, I have to be honest, when he first moved him onto a wing on Kate's line, I said, well, why, you know, 
why not move Cates back to wing? And I know I know how much he wants to develop Cates as a center, but it, it it's you know it's looked good, it's worked. So you know that's uh, that is something that I, that I think that they should keep looking at going forward because I think that you know when you really think about it, it, it makes a lot of sense. To me, it comes down to this, Bill. It's that one player in Noah Cates and Kevin Hayes. One's got a deeper sense, a, 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 a more pronounced sense of deep in-zone responsibility defending than the other. And that's why it makes sense. And, you know, Hayes, even as a center, offensively and through the neutral zone, likes to play on the outside because he's got great puck possession ability to protect the puck and work off the walls and down low, you know, down below the circles on the wall. To me, that just makes more sense as a winger. He doesn't drive play through the middle anyway. So it makes more sense to put him on the wing and play all of his offensive strengths, mitigate his weakness, his biggest weakness. And I, I think Torts might be on something with Kevin Hayes. Now, do you love that you're paying a center or a winger, what you're paying him and all the No, because centers are worth more, but you can't worry about that part of the equation right now. Um, Bill, the other part, you know, it's interesting because D'Angelo would come out of a game, I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday, I want to say, and because he couldn't go that night. So they moved Rasmus first to line into the top pair along with Ivan Provorov. Then he remained there for the next three games. That game and the following two, you know, you look at a, a guy like D'Angelo comes back, plays with Sanheim one night, and then plays on the third pairing with Nick Sealer. Still gets, you know, over four minutes of power play time, some PK time. Played a lot of important minutes in that game, and he maybe still isn't 100% right, and he was playing too many minutes. But let's focus first and foremost on Ristolainen because he's played his best hockey in these three games on that top. He's the top pair guy. That's not the long-term solution. We all know that. But he's playing pretty well right now, you know, by comparison to what he was playing earlier this season, maybe even last season. Sure. And and he's the guy who in his career, whether that's where he's ideal or not, but he's the guy who's played a lot of minutes in his career. Mm -hmm. Buffalo was using him 24 minutes a night, you know. Uh, again, yep. not not the idea, not the ideal usage for him. But so he he's a guy who can take minutes when you need him to take them. He's you know physically he's a he's, you know big guy, well conditioned, all, all that. So big and strong. So he can you know he can take the minutes. It's uh, it's all in how he plays. I mean, the, I think the biggest thing with him is that he's played a lot more, a lot more under control. One of the things that uh, one of the things that that is been what they've really been stressing with him is you don't always have to run run around looking for the hit you know you you use your body position use your stick better kill plays don't 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 worry about don't worry about uh you know the the big crunching hit worry about killing the play and keep it simple because he has he has the size and he can get down the ice too you know that that's one of the, i mean that that's always been to me was made resign an interesting player where there's the physical side of it, but he's also a pretty good skater going north south. So, um, you know, he and then and then there are times where he just is so far out of position and, and you know makes makes some reads that just you, you scratch your head sometimes. But uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing is that he's played under he's played under control. Yeah, and um, that's you know and it, it, it just not still. Yeah, sir. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, that's uh, some. You know, sometimes he'll, uh, you know, and I mean, two different things: to running, running around to the outside. He'll, he'll run up to the blue line sometimes, 
And <laughs> sometimes, uh, you know, it's, well, what's behind you? You know, he, he particularly early this season, he ended up on the wrong side of the puck so many times, so many times. And in the last few games, he's, you know, he's stayed on the right side of the puck far more often than not. And I think that's been the, that's been the biggest thing in the last few games. And that's just, uh, yeah. you know, that, and, and that, that's an area where if he does that, Tortorella will give him his minutes, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, with Sandheim or whether it's with, occasionally with Provorov or whatever the case might be. It, it's when he's, it's when he's on the wrong side of the puck, nearly as often as he's been that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll run into issues. So, yeah, that, that's been that's been a positive recently. Uh, certainly, Tony's passed the eye test, and that also is the numbers backing it up too, because he he's he's played better. But um, yeah. you know that's uh, you know that that's that's kind of an ongoing thing too. Um, you know, listen, he, he was signed to a long term extension. He makes a lot of money, and that's not the easiest contract to move, particularly the guy's not playing well. So getting getting Ristolainen playing effectively is. Uh, it's something that has to be one of the goals because they the Flyers made a pretty big commitment to him. You know, it's funny. I asked I asked Torts in one of our pregame meetings about Rasmus, and because Torts had mentioned that Brad Shaw has been working with him a ton, and I asked Torts, I just said, you know, is he a guy that's really absorbent of coaching and willing to be likes to be coached? Because I was, and he kind of to me and I said, well, I mean, he's had about 15 coaches in the last seven, eight years. He's got so many voices telling him different things to do. And he said, you know what? He said, Chelsea has told him that he is a guy that absolutely is very coachable, wants to learn, wants to get better, and is a bit of a, a freak you know, athlete at that size to be able to move and skate like he does and shoot the puck with an absolute bomb. And Torch said, he goes, I was stunned to find out that he had over four points a year for a season. I go, a season? Three, four in a row. <laughs> like, row. No. Yeah. And, but he said, he absolutely is the guy that wants to get better and wants to, you know, play within himself. And sometimes I thought, I think Risto makes himself his own worst enemy. By chasing a guy around like he stole his girlfriend, yeah. and it's like you know what I mean. Like, I'm going to chase you to the blue line, you know. Like no, don't do that because, like you said, what's behind you? A whole crap load of trouble. <laughs> yeah. So and, and that's, uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing where you know you do look at well, you know, you still mentioned all the coaches he had in Buffalo, and you know, turnover in the Flyers coaching staff, and yet there, there, there was still times he would, you know, <laughs> just. He seemed to be kind of not plugged into what else is going on on the ice, right? And yeah. uh, and then that that's something where you know I'm sure it'll need correction again at some point too. And it's just you you just want him playing the right way more often than not. And and if he again, you know, if he sacrifices points to do it, I mean, he doesn't have a point yet this year. So which is uh, you know, but he you know, so there's. Uh, he he's one of those many guys who, you know, the that there's there's a point they need to get him to to stay more often than not, and uh, you know whether whether you're winning or whether you're losing, you know that that's one of those guys you're figuring out is he going to be here long term. So his his ability to be able to play the way that that Bradshaw is, is working with him to play, that goes kind of a long way. Is he a guy who? Whatever pairing he's on, because you know that John Tortorella doesn't care what a guy's making. 
you know, yeah. he won't, he'll not play. He, you know, he won't play him at all, or he'll play him fewer minutes, or he'll, he'll move him down, or, or whatever the case might be. What the contract says and the term says is not going to influence where you know how how Tortorella uses them. So I think that, yeah, I think that getting him playing well is one of is a it's a really big piece as to whether they're going to determine he's one of the guys who's going to be part of the puzzle. Yeah, to me, there's always going to be volatility to his game because he has to play the game on a knife's edge. Yeah. That's just what he brings to the table. Um, last thing, Bill, I didn't realize that. Doug Crossman on 80s night turned into James Hetfield. He looked like, I go, who? I'm sitting there in the press box. I go, who that guy? That looks like James Hetfield. And I come to find out it was Doug Crossman. I go, I would have never thought he would have looked like James Hetfield as he grew older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug has had kind of the, you know, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the hair going for, for a number of years here. Yeah. You know, Cross is a great guy. Cross, you know, he's uh, and he's, he's going to bust more... into sad but true. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm well, Cross, Cross has always marched to the beat of his own drummer. So, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, no, Lars apparently. Yeah, always has. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, it's funny. You know, like uh, you know, a couple of years ago, the the Flyers Warriors did a did an event, and I was sitting next to Cross that night, and. You know, I hadn't, hadn't seen him in a while. And, you know, he had, he had the James, James Hetfield look going there, too. So you get used to it after a while. But, yeah, you know, if you, if you remember, you know, just remember Doug from the 80s, it, it definitely you do a double take, that's for sure. Yeah. He always had the he had the one strip of tape tape job on Blade. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's yeah. the point? <laughs> it's like they required you to put some tape on it so you put one yeah. strip on. What, yeah. what a useless piece of tape that was. But maybe it's just a mental thing. Uh, let's close it out with a little Metallica on the show tonight as well. Bill's work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. We'll give you a little sad but true, a little Metallica to close out another edition of Flyers Daily. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll break down Flyers Colorado Avalanche on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily. Enjoy your hockey tonight, everybody. Mm-hmm.